Last week, if you were not here, we spent some time in a passage just before this that talked about the unbelief of the people. Jesus went and he hid himself from the people, but just before that, the Gentiles, the nations, representing the nations, every tribe, tongue, and nation, uh, came to Jesus, wanting to talk to Jesus, and he said that because they've come, what he basically says is, okay, my hour now has come, meaning the, the hour, the time for him to suffer, to be put up on the cross, to die as a sacrifice in our place for our sins, and then after three days he'll rise again, and then he will, after 40 days, go to the right hand of the Father. That's what he means when he says his hour has come. It's all of that. And the start of that were the Greeks or the Gentiles coming in. So as he was talking, he then talks about the, the leaders last week, and it said that they actually uh, couldn't believe because it fulfilled prophecy from the book of Isaiah. They were unable to believe. They would reject him. And the reason at the end of the passage last week that, he would, that they would reject Jesus was because they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And we talked a little bit about, and I had some questions for us to consider about uh, from one of our books in the resource uh, library on what does it look like to love the praise of man, love the glory of man so much, or to, on the other side of the coin, which is still true in, in the same vein, fear man so much that we will not follow God. And that's what was happening with these leaders. And so that's in John chapter 12, verse 43, the last verse of what we covered last week. It says, For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And now we'll get into the passage for this week. So I'll read through the passage. You can follow along silently, and then we'll work through it verse by verse like we do each week. Starting in verse 44, And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in, in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me does not receive my words, has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has, given, has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. In some ways, this section right here serves as a transition in the Gospel of John. We've been going through the Gospel of John for a little while now, and as we've seen, Jesus has his public ministry. He starts with, of course, it has this explanation of uh, the Word becoming flesh and coming to earth, and then we see his baptism, and we see his ministry, and half of the book of John covers the first three years of Jesus' ministry. Half of the book. The other half, which we're about to embark in next week, actually covers his last week and just a tiny bit after that. So the first, the first half, three years, and then John focuses in on the second half of the book to focus in on Jesus' last week here on earth and just a tiny bit more. This section, 44 through 50, is in essence a summary of everything that he has said 
that John has written about from chapters 1 to chapter 12 before we transition into chapter 13. So some of the things we're going to talk about today, um, you may have heard some of that before in the Gospel of John. So this serves again as a reminder to us, and there will be a few new things. So let's start in verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Right off the bat, realize that Jesus had just gone through and explained that the, the leaders, the Pharisees, they, they could not believe it was fulfilling prophecy and they would not believe. And he's talking to the people, but this word for cried out really is just a, a pleading with people. Jesus is pleading. He's crying out with a loud voice. Whoever believes in me, he's saying anybody, whoever wants to, if there is anybody on this earth or has ever been on this earth or will ever be on this earth, if they want to believe in Jesus, they can and he will save them. There's no question. But what he wants to do is he wants to point out when you believe in him, it's not just believing in him. That's what he's doing here. And Jesus cried out with this loud voice, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in Him who sent me. We've seen this theme throughout the Scriptures, throughout John. He goes on to make the point a little clearer here in 45. And whoever sees me, sees Him who sent me. So what Jesus is saying right from the get-go is He's showing His unity with the Father right from the beginning of this passage. But He's been doing that over and over and over again. In fact, He did it so many times and in so many ways that the... Pharisees, the leaders, would pick up stones to kill him because he kept showing, explaining, proclaiming his unity with the Father. Why is this important? I want to submit to you today that the reason that this is important is it's important for us to see the unity and the love of God the Father and God the Son because sometimes we get it in our mind that God the Father is this angry dad that was coming to beat us and big brother Jesus stepped in the way and just took the punch when actually that's not how the Scriptures portray this relationship. In fact, if you'll remember, we've talked about multiple times that the Father and the Son, the Eternal Son, they had this plan in eternity past before they created anything. We know that all things were made through and for and by Jesus. So before He created anything, there was a plan in eternity between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And the plan, what the Scriptures say in John as well, is that the Father gives us to the Son, and the Son then comes and secures us by coming, living the life we should have lived, dying the death we should have died, and being raised from the dead. And so in doing that, Jesus secures the plan. And the fact that Jesus obeys God perfectly in everything shows that his, his love and unity to the Father. And the fact that the Father raises him from the dead, the fact that the Father performs all these miracles through Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, shows God's love for his Son. There's great unity between God the Father and God the Son. And in that, it doesn't show like they're opposed to one another and Jesus comes in and He's the one who saves us and God the Father doesn't love us. No, no. The Scriptures are very clear. In eternity past, the Father and the Son, they both, and the Spirit, they have all loved us. The first thing I want you to hear this morning is that you have been loved by the Father, the Son, and the Spirit for eternity. You've been loved by them. And this was their plan. It's not a, a separate thing. They're so united and what's interesting is, later we'll see this in a few weeks or months, that the unity that the Father and the Son and the Spirit have is the same unity that we're to have with one another, the church. 
And so it's a wonderful way to start off this, pa- this passage and to remind us over and over again that the, the Father and the Son are united. So 45, and whoever sees me sees him who sent me. It's interesting, there'll be different passages in Scripture that talk about seeing God. But then we also know that no one has ever seen God except the Son. So how does that make sense? Well, in particular, God the Son. Those who see Jesus see God the Son. That is like seeing God. It's similar to this. Um, if you have a child that is just like their father or mother, oh, he is just exactly like his dad. He looks like his dad. He talks like his dad. It sounds just like him. It's similar to that. Not exact, but it's similar to that. In Hebrews, it talks about that Jesus is the, the, basically the, the thumbprint, the exact representation of God. He's how we see God. By seeing Christ and seeing God in His Word, Jesus is the Word, seeing the Word, that's how we actually see God. Because most of us would go, well, I don't see God anywhere. You can't, there's no God, you can't prove it, you, you, you don't even see Him, show me God, show me God. And a lot of us would say, well, there's, you know, let me show you the wind. I can't show you the wind itself, but I can show you the effects of the wind. But what's interesting is, with the Scriptures, and with Jesus in particular, we can see God, because if we see Jesus and we see the Word, then we actually see God. He's God made manifest to us. And that's what's so remarkable about Jesus. So he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you believe in me, you believe in the Father. So what's interesting is the people continually reject Jesus. So what he's saying is, when you reject me, you reject the Father. So this right here rules out all other religions, just so you know. This rules out every other religion because every other religion doesn't believe uh, in Jesus the way that we do. They say he's something different. That's why in chapter 14 when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, it's because you have to believe in the Son because they are so unified. There's not this other plan. All roads don't lead to Rome. In this case, there's one road and he gave himself so that whoever... This road isn't limited. Anyone, any tribe, any tongue, any nation, any person, doesn't matter, rich, poor, doesn't matter your skin color. He's died so you can have life. So now Jesus goes on to explain a little bit more in 46. He says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. I read over that pretty quickly the first few times through this text. And then I thought on that more and more. Part of the reason, he says, I have come into the world. Here's my purpose, my plan. I have come into the world as light. Most of us would not want to sit in utter darkness the rest of our days. Some of you would like, I would like to do that for a while so I could sleep. But then after that, No. Again, we've talked about this some before, but if you've ever sat in pure darkness or been out in the woods or out on the water when it is completely dark, it is terrifying. And if you start to hear something and you don't know what it is, I remember there was a time I was in the woods and I heard something crackling the branches. It was probably a squirrel or something, but in my mind, it was the biggest monster that was going to kill me. You ever had that? Just absolutely terrifying. Jesus comes so we don't have to remain in darkness. Something I've done for you, last night I was thinking through this, and I thought, I wonder in John up to this point, 
all the reasons that Jesus has said that he's come. So I have this for you from each chapter. We're in chapter 12. I'm going to read these quickly for you. Here are the different ways, the different reasons that Jesus has said that he's come for you. Okay? So listen. Apply this to yourselves. Listen. So he, he, come to, he came to become human, to give his life to men, for men, to reveal God's glory, and to take away the sins of the world, which include yours. That's chapter 1. Chapter 2. He came to, green, to bring great joy and celebration to your life. Joy and celebration to your life. Chapter 3, he came to give you eternal life and to show you God's love. Chapter 4, he came to quench your eternal thirst and to heal you who are sick. Again in chapter 5, he came to heal and he came to show you that he is one with the Father. And he also came to receive all judgment from the Father. Chapter 6, he came to give himself his body as bread. He is the bread of life. So he came for us who are starving for spiritual food. He came to give himself for you. And he came to do the will of his Father. Chapter 7. He actually came to divide some of the people. He came to teach God's teaching to you. He came to make it possible that you could have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you and that out of your heart would flow streams of water. Living water. Chapter 8. He came to do what pleases the Father. He came to be the light of the world. He came to set you free, captive. And He came to show you that He is God. In chapter 9, He came to open the eyes of those who are born blind. Which, as a reminder, is every single one of us. And He also came, even though it's not His sole purpose to bring judgment, when He comes for those who do not believe in Him, it automatically causes judgment on them. Chapter 10, He came to give you eternal life and for you to have life abundantly, not just to get by in this life. He came that you would have a full life. He came to call His sheep out by name. He he came to lay His life down for His sheep. He came to hold you in His hand and again to show His unity with the Father. Chapter 11, He came to raise the dead. This was Lazarus. But also to raise us spiritually from death. And he came to die for the nations. And now chapter 12, he came to die and to be raised up again. So in being raised up, in dying, he would draw all kinds of people to himself. That includes you. And he came, as this text says, to save the world and so that you, brothers and sisters, would not remain in darkness. He doesn't want that. What's interesting is in salvation, when we believe in Him, we come out of darkness into light. But then the problem is, for some reason, even though we now believe, here's what we do. We go back into the bedrooms, we go back into the rooms, and we turn off the lights. And we still live in darkness when we don't have to anymore. The power is not cut off. He's come giving electricity to the full house. There's lights. He's opened our hearts, but we sometimes choose to go back into that. And what he would say to you is you don't have to do that. You can walk and live in the light. You don't have to do that. You're free from that. The world who has not believed in him, they have no choice. There's no power source. They do not have the Holy Spirit. They cannot walk in light. They cannot see. They remain in darkness. He comes because he loves you. Him and the Father, Jesus and the Father, in eternity past say, I'm coming to make sure that each one of you do not have to remain in darkness. That's how much he loves you. Next verse. 
Verse 47, he now says, If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Do you see the emphasis in this passage? Jesus is wanting to explain his plan is to come and save. He will come back as judge. Don't worry, no question he's coming back. But he came to save. But notice what he says there. If anyone hears my words and does not what? Keep them. Another way of saying that? Obey them. Follow them. Belief is not enough. Say, whoa, wait a second. I thought we were saved by faith. You will show your faith by your works. A tree is known by its... Jesus is very clear here. There are those who believe in Him, and we've seen that throughout the Gospel of John. There are those who believe, but they will not follow. We saw that in the former passage. There were those who believed in Him, but because they fear or they love the glory that comes from men more than God, they would not confess Him. For Jesus, He is not calling just people to believe in Him. He is calling people to follow Him. How are you doing with that? Do you hear His Word and do you keep it? Or do you hear His Word and then just forget it? He would encourage you that He came so that you would not remain in darkness any longer, but that you would be in light and so that you would hear His Word and you would obey Him. Because, He says, those who love Me, obey Me. That's how we show our love. Same thing with my children. I don't don't try to force them, oh, you have to obey Me, and then I'm going to love you. If you'll obey Me, if you'll do the things I'm asking you to do, if you'll take out the trash, if you'll do the dishes... Then I'm going to love you, son. That's not how it goes. I already love you. I loved you when you were just a thought in our minds and we might have a child one day. I loved you then. I love you now. So because I love you, obey me. That's what he would say. But Jesus says specifically at this, in this season, I do, I do not judge them if they do not keep my word. He doesn't need to. His mission is to come and save. But look at what verse 48 says. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. So it's not like they're not going to be judged. It's not like we're not going to be judged if you don't keep his word. You will still be judged. Jesus is just saying, I don't need to do that. I came to save you. But the fact that you hear his word, the word he has spoken to you on the last day, When make no mistake, every person who has ever lived will stand before Christ. You will stand before Christ. And you will give an account for everything you've said, everything you've done, everything you've thought in front of everyone that's ever existed, but most importantly, before a holy God. And you will give an account. And the question will be, as you give that account, will you ultimately fall on grace and say, I can't do any of this All these things were true and they were bad and they were terrible. And Jesus, I'm so thankful that you've died for that. And he will wash that away. It will be gone. Or will you have shown your true heart by not receiving his word, not receiving the gospel, and stand before him and say, here's all my good works. And I think they outweigh. I think they're more good. Most people thought I was a pretty good person. If you go that route, 
you will die. You will perish. Because a sin against a holy God, an eternal God, is forever. That's why the punishment is eternal. See, if you sin against somebody who's just another living person and a sinner, that's not a big deal. Okay? Not the same as it comes to an eternal, holy God. That's why we needed a perfect man, God, the God-man, to die in our place. That's why it had to be a, a lamb without spot or blemish. So he says on this last day, here's what's going to happen. I, the, the word that I have spoken to you, the, the gospel that you heard, the truth of God's word, it's going to basically come out and testify against you. And you're going to have to give an account for why you wouldn't receive it. This is also why, and it's kind of scary, but this is also why the more you hear it and the more you reject it, the worse your punishment will be. There does seem to be these varying degrees in hell. God decides. I don't, we don't understand completely what's going on there. But those who have received more and rejected it, you will be judged more. But again, Christ is saying the word will do that against you. Verse 49, for I have not spoken on my own authority. Now he's going right back to show that this is not just Jesus' plan, something Jesus has made up. He says, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has, give, has himself given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. He's saying, everything I say, everything I speak comes from the Father. So don't think you can just go to the Father another way. You can't. It's my word. Here it comes. But look what the word is. It's an encouraging word. And I know that His commandment is eternal life. What is the commandment of God? It's eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. The Father gives the commandment of eternal life to the Son. And then what's interesting is at the end of Matthew... Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Listen to, listen to this. Some of you will be familiar with this. It's the Great Commission. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus said, I have all authority. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus and John, we just found out that the Father has given this commandment of eternal life to the Son. And at the end of Matthew, which is after this point in John, we see that Jesus has given that same commandment to each one of us. We have the same commandment, eternal life. To believe in eternal life and to take the message of eternal life to everybody who's out there. How are we doing with that one? Good? Bad? Somewhere in the middle? Brothers and sisters, listen carefully. We're going to close with this. Listen carefully. Jesus in this passage is summing up everything that he's been talking about from John 1 to John 12. He tells us the reason, reasons that He's come. He shows us the unity between Him and the Father. And He says, listen, I have come so you will have eternal life. And that's God's commandment. And because I'm unified with the Father, it's a guarantee. 
You don't have to worry about it. You trust in Him. You believe in Him. You receive His Word. You have eternal life. And then the plan from there is, now go and tell everybody else about eternal life. And let's keep doing that. Father, we're thankful to be together and hear this from you. Lord, there are some of us in here today, I believe, that needed to be reminded or told that you are not a God who's been angry with them and Jesus just had to step in, but you and your beloved Son have loved them since before time began. Father, I believe there are some in here who needed to hear Jesus say all those different reasons that he has come, including to help us to not remain in darkness. Father, I believe there are a few in here, at least, who need to hear that we need to keep your word and show our love that we have because you've already loved us by keeping your word and following you faithfully. And Lord, I think we all needed to hear and be encouraged that this commandment that you've given to the Son of eternal life and the Son has commissioned us to go and tell, Lord, help us to do it. Help us to do it better so people will praise you from every tribe, tongue, and nation, including Cedar Key. Lord, for those who may be here and do not know you, I pray they have or will cry out to you, Lord. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.